The following podcast has been recorded live for your audio pleasure. It is rated M for Mexican. Welcome to another episode of Mexican Mind Matters with your host, the Mexican. We continue our 99 days here in the month of September. And this special podcast will be focused on work coming to you once again live from the most electrifying city in the entire nation and in the world, Columbus, Ohio. We will use this as a guideline. We'll call this Mexi's Guideline to Personal Injury Claims. Because, quite frankly, I am tired of the amount of bullshit from clients about their accidents. You guys need to know your roles and shut your mouths because most of the time you don't have claims. It is ridiculous. The amount of phone calls we get. And that's the thing I love about my new firm is that we pick and choose which ones we want. We don't take the bullshit just because we want volume like my old job. No, 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 no. We're all about quality over quantity here. Okay? Yeah, we take some of the uh, the trickier ones, but also um, we don't put up with the bullshit. So this is the guidelines to you having a very enjoyable personal injury claim with yours truly. Especially if you're my client. If you're my client, you better know what's going on, okay? And we even tell people, because it's in the manual when you sign up, you get a dossier with all these documents. Most of these idiots don't even read the fucking thing. Oh, well, um, yeah. That's the problem. That's the first problem, geniuses. As you guys know, or hoping you guys know, a personal injury claim could be many things. Could be a slip and fall at any business. Could be a dog bite. It could be, you know, a car accident. You know, whatever. So the first rule of having a good personal injury claim is to have a valid license and maybe valid car insurance. Because if you're going to sit here and say that you got rear-ended, but you don't have a license or car insurance, the first problem is going to be you're depending on the other side 110% to fix the car, which means you're not going to get a rental right away. You're not going to get compensated right away for the property damages because they have to investigate on their end. Now, if they're insured as a jack wagon, and doesn't answer the phone, well, yeah, they at least take 21 days to try and reach him to get his side of the story. 
on the recorded statement before even admitting admitting any kind of fault. And only then will your car get fixed. But guess what? It'd be a lot faster if you had your own car insurance to get, to begin with. Now, yes, this would imply you would have to pay your deductible because you could get reimbursed for that. But that's the whole point of getting car insurance to begin with. Oh, but I didn't know. I don't have a good car insurance. Oh, you have good car insurance? You don't know where to go? This is why American National sponsors the Mexican Matters podcast. Call my man, Ramo, 595-2934. He will hook you up with good car insurance. Whatever you need. Home, life, auto. Use promo code MEXI to get a discount. American National is a proud sponsor of the Mexican Matters podcast. For that reason and that reason only. Now, once you have the car insurance, if some jack wagon hits you, you can fix it immediately through your insurance. Yeah, you would have to pay a deductible, but you can get reimbursed. And after everything's done with the property damages, they go after the at-fault insurance. You don't have to do anything about that. That goes behind closed doors. Yeah, you pay your deductible. Now, here's the thing. When you get car insurance, that's the other thing. If you have car insurance, when you get it, please read your declaration page. Yes, it's a giant booklet. Yes, it's tedious. But you must know the in and outs of your car insurance. That's rule number two. If you want a rental car, are they going to make you pay for it and then reimburse you? Do you get to have rental coverage? What deductible do you have? 500 a 1000 All those things matter. Yes. What are your limits as far as uninsured motorist, underinsured motorist? Once again, the difference is clear. Uninsured, you get hit by somebody who does not have insurance. Underinsured, you get hit by somebody who has lesser limits than you do. And it's not on top. It's not the addition of, it's the difference. What I mean by that is, I myself have 500 a million as my limits. If somebody who has 2550 hits me, and that's 25,000, 50,000, there's two numbers one per accident, one, one per person, one per accident. First number is per person, second number is per accident. Obviously, 2550 is less than 500 a million. So if I need surgery, that's already over 25,000. So we've tapped his limits, but now we get my underinsured motorist coverage, which will be the difference between 500 and 25, so 475. An extra 475,000. Yes, that's how that works. Please know your car insurance and how it works. Now, if you don't know, I suggest you look it up. (laughs) Rule number three. And this will apply to the slip and falls. Since we've been talking about the uh, auto accidents for a little bit. Slip and falls. Just because you slip and fell does not mean you have a case. What I mean by that is... If you slip and let's say you walk into McDonald's and you slipped, but there's clearly a sign that says caution, wet floor. 
they're off the hook. Because you were the one not paying attention that it clearly indicated that the floor was wet. If there's no sign and no clear marking that says, hey, don't go here. Because they don't have to put a sign. If they put little tiny cones with tape around them so you don't go through there and you still go through there and slip, that's the same thing. You went through a cautioned area. Now... If you slipped, let's say, at your apartment complex on a cracked stairway, same concept. Is the cracked stairway sectioned off? Is there a caution sign what's going on there? Please make sure that there is no sign. Also... Most rental places do have insurance on their property, but if this is a slip and fall inside your own apartment, it better be something that is legit the, you know, the landlord's fault. You can't really, like, if literally there's mold in the bathroom and they fix the bathroom because they, you know, they fix the mold and then now... You know, there's other issues coming up. The first rule is, did you inform your landlord? If the answer is no, well, how could they know something's wrong and fix it if you're not telling people? Be smart, ladies and gentlemen. That's all this boils down to. Also, on top of that, rule number four, this applies to dog bite cases. If the dog is restrained... You can't just go up and taunt the dog because you were asking for it. On top of that, for those who have dogs, even if you it's not your dog, if the dog is in your apartment or in your house, you are the harborer of the dog at the time of the incident. So, yes, your homeowner's insurance would, would apply. Also, make sure that if you do get bit by a dog, you know where the dog came from. If a random dog just bites you on the street and you have no clue whose dog it is, don't call me. I can't sue an animal. I currently have a case right now with a post post office guy who got bit by a dog, we don't know where the dog lives. We don't know whose dog it is. And we've had the case for almost two years. I don't know how we still have not gotten rid of it. Because letters have gone out multiple times. We don't know who owns the dog. We don't even know which address the dog came from. Because all that happened was the ambulance picked him up at the corner of an intersection. Could be anywhere. On top of that, he didn't really get bit by the dog. The dog bit his bag and he slipped and fell and that caused the injuries. So, whoever had the case before me just went ahead and allowed him to start treating. Get all this shit ready. Oh, but we have no insurance. That is insane. That's ridiculous and stupid. 
So yes, rule number four. Dog bites. Yeah. Make sure you know who owns the dog. Because if not, we can't really do anything about that. Also, back to car accidents. Rule number five. If you were in a car accident and the culprit of the car accident is an animal or an act of God, say a storm or, you know, a deer went across the road, yeah, we can't go after animals or Jesus. So that will not apply. Also, for future reference, every police report, at the top right corner of the police report, there's a box that says at fault or unit at fault and there's usually some numbers so each car that's in the car accident has a number assigned to it by the police officer that number if it's in that box that says unit at fault that means that owner and that driver of that that car whatever number you were assigned it's the one that's at fault for the accident if it says 99 the officer does not know that is a terrible thing calling the officers way after the fact and they show up and they really can't determine because it's a he said she said uh, he said she said and it's all in the police report it's a 99 yeah no don't call us also if it says 98 that's the animal that's the deer crossing the road yeah aside from that whoever's at fault that's that's who the police officer determined was at fault for the accident now be getting cited during the accident does not necessarily mean you're at fault. You could be driving your car, you get rear-ended, but you also get cited for, say, not wearing your seatbelt or not having your license. That happens a lot to Mexicans who are here illegally. Oh, they have to go to court because they don't have a license. We will not be there. Again, any citation issued that has you go to court We're not criminal attorneys. We're not traffic law attorneys. We're personal injury attorneys. We will not be there. Which leads me to the next rule. If you get a subpoena to go to court, either for yourself or as a witness, calling me, asking me if you should go, is kind of stupid. Yes, you should go. Do you want a warrant issued for your arrest? Oh, no? Yeah, that's what I thought. Next rule. Back to the slip and falls. If you slip and fell at somebody else's house, you're a jack wagon if you call us for a claim. Because clearly you don't just wander about somebody else's house. You're not trespassing. So the person you were at their house, you know them personally to some degree. So you're willing to have their rates go up because you just want some money in your pocket. That's being a jack wagon, okay? I don't deal with jack wagons or idiots. That would be like me walking in to Coach Super's place, Super Studios 253. They're a proud sponsor of the Mix of My Matters podcast. I walk in. I slip and fall. Oh, let me sue you, Coach Super. Who's your who's your uh, business insurance? No. I'm there because I'm chillaxing. I'm saying hi to Coach Super. If you guys are there. I hope you're there because I gave you the promo code Mexi to save money on your classes. Where kickboxing, running, CrossFit, yoga, hot yoga. Yeah, you're saving money. So if I refer you to Coach Super 
you use my promo code, Mexi, you get a discount, and then you slip and fell, you better not be, no, don't be stupid, okay? Let's not sue a proud sponsor of the Mexi My Matters podcast, Super Studio 253. No, let's not do that. Same thing if you're like going to get a massage. I literally am giving you a promo code, Mexi, to go and get a discounted massage at Hand and Stone Massage. I go in Dublin. You go to the one in Pickerington, slip and fell. I know for a fact the owners have signs everywhere when there's some issues. Shit, there was a sign the other day because the biofreeze was expired. I'm like, I didn't even know biofreeze had expiration dates. But they had a sign in case something happened. If you go there with my promo code, don't be stupid. Because Hand and Stone Massage, again, proud sponsor of the Mixing My Matters podcast. Don't, no. If you slip and fall and you know the person, that's just being a dick. I have a few cases where it's the boyfriend or girlfriend that's going after the other significant other's car insurance. Like, what the fuck? Like, I get it. Okay, let me let me rephrase. I, I get it if it's a scenario where Boyfriend's driving, girlfriend's in the passenger seat, boyfriend loses control and is an idiot or driving drunk, hits a tree, and then girlfriend gets jacked up. That's called uh, not cool, and yeah, that, that would probably be the end of their relationship. Now, if it's husband and wife, you can't do that. Yeah, because a husband and his wife, they probably live together. And that's the whole resident relative clause, which brings me to the next rule. If you don't have car insurance and you're a passenger in somebody's car and you get hurt, if you live with a relative who has car insurance, we can use that. That applies. It's the resident relative rule. I have a case where it was Somalis versus Mexicans. Mexicans, of course, had no insurance. Surprise, surprise. They claimed they just bought the car. Whatever. Our Somali clients... My client was saying he was driving his brother's car, who has progressive, and it was the first time he was driving the car ever. Cause mom was, they lived with mom. Mom was having a uh, some health issues. Brother stayed and told our client to go get the medicine, and that's when the accident happened. Progressive initially denied, saying, "Well, wait a minute, your client's insured under his parents' policy with Nationwide." So now I'm going to Nationwide, and Nationwide's like, um. No, the car that he was driving is insured under the brother's policy with Progressive. He lives with the brother according to driver's license, registration, everything. Yes, it's Progressive we're denying. And so now I'm back with Progressive to try and get coverage. It's a waste of time going back and forth. But that's the issue is that if the car is on the policy and you're the driver, that's your primary. You are... If you're the tortfeasor, a.k.a. the person that was at fault for the accident, and you're driving your car, and both of you are on one policy, that would always take precedence over anything else. I had I had State Farm try to tell me one time that the at-fault driver lived with somebody who had Geico, and so Geico was potentially primary. No. That was, that's called adjusters not doing their job. So, if any time... An adjuster is not doing a good job and it's due diligence towards your claim. You can call the Department of Insurance. Yes, and report them. I threaten that all the time, especially in scenarios like that. 
Like you're you're, you're being ridiculous right now. Yes. Next rule. If you think that this is going to be a week or two and then you get your money, no, that's not how this works. That is definitely not how this works. You will only go, your clean will only go as fast as you treat. It all depends on how hurt you are. Obviously, if you are done treating, once you're done treating, somebody as good as me could get the final records and bills within a couple weeks. And then your demand goes to the adjuster. At that point, they technically by law have 30 to 90 days to review the whole process. If the demand is done right, it won't always take that long. I've got offers on demands that I've sent out within an hour or two of sending the demand. That's how good I am. But if need be, we'll take the full 90 days. And then at that point, it's a negotiation strategy with uh, the adjuster. If the adjuster thinks you're full of shit and doesn't want to offer more, and you don't like the offers that they're giving you, then we take it to court. And that's even longer. So this will definitely not be two weeks. And again, the more treatment, the more value to the claim. And I mean value, not money. Some people like to say for every dollar you you get uh, treatment, you'll get a dollar fifty back. No, that's not how this necessarily works. There's a difference between over-treating and actually treating accordingly for a long period of time. If your ankle is so messed up from an accident, for example, and you tell the doctor, clearly when you go to the doctor's office for an accident, you're telling them every time, hey, doc, this is because of the accident, my ankle still hurts, my ankle still hurts, my ankle still hurts, blah, blah, blah. So it's in the records, no matter how many times you go, if the if your personal if your primary care doctor refers you to an orthopedic surgeon, oh hey, my ankle's been hurting since the accident. Repeat that. It'll be on the record. If you just go willy-nilly and don't say shit, they're not gonna guess this is from an accident unless you tell them. And it's not what you know is what you can prove in court. If it's not in the records, then how does anybody know it's related? If the doctor doesn't say it's related, how are we supposed to know? Again, difference between over-treating and just basically treating for the accident. Over-treating means you're going way too much and clearly on the police report, it says that you got hit by a car that was doing 10 miles an hour. It literally says property damage minimal and you're here treating for a year. No, that will be instantly denied. Literally had somebody who was hit in the parking lot of a casino by a car that was backing out of the, or the parking spot. He was barely touched and he treated for over a year. Then had the audacity to come to me with video evidence that he did get hit. The video shows not of him getting hit, but him walking around the parking lot filming the person who supposedly hit him. Yeah, that doesn't look like somebody who is injured from an accident. That looks like somebody who's full of shit. And I actually have quite a few of those. How fast do you think a car goes 
when it backs out of a parking spot. It does not go from zero to 30 miles an hour. If you see somebody back out of a parking spot, even if it's a truck, they are not going that fast to where you get hit unless they, unless it's a really big Ford F-150 and they run you over and you're on foot. If you're in a car, oh yeah, that property damage is not going to be that much and um, you're full of shit. So over-treating for something that minimal, adjusters are not idiots. Ask any adjuster. So that is the next rule. Please realize what you're doing. And then the worst part is you, you we call you out on it. Hey, know what your claim's worth. The police report says you were doing 10 miles an hour. They hit you doing 15 miles an hour. That's a low impact. I'm looking at pictures of property damage that you supposedly sent me. And it barely shows any scratches. And you want to tell me you're hurt? Get the fuck out of here. Oh, no, no, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And then you constantly lie. Lying on top of lies is worse. Just own up that you're an idiot. And you think you were going to get a lot of money and you're not going to. That's why we withdraw from cases. We actually had somebody who called and said that one of our attorneys was rude to them. And then we listened to the conversation. Because, yes, all our calls are recorded. Fuckers. Yeah. In case you want to call bullshit. Yeah, we listened to the call. He wasn't rude to you. He told you the truth. A.K.A. your claim sucks. Because you're an idiot. Yeah, that's called being honest. The truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. As I always say. So please know what you're doing. We ain't got time for these stupid claims. And yes, we can sue government entities, municipalities, cities. Yes. But again, if you're not that hurt, shut the fuck up, okay? We can't sue somebody who is an animal or, you know, it's an act of God. Shut the fuck up, please, please. Just make everybody's life easier. That's all I ask, okay? That's all I ask on today's episode. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast and the 411 on how to have a good personal injury claim. Hit us up on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube. All the episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast. And as always, you all know, where there's a Mexican, there's a way. Until next time, bitches.